Great. So before the break, we were asked to start thinking about the last time that we got told off. I can't remember the last time I got told off. Now I'm more likely to get a disapproving look for laughing too loudly at Mamma Mia 2, which is a great film, um, than I am to be sent to the naughty step by my parents. It just doesn't happen as often now. But despite the angel that I may appear to be now, I know, I've had my fair share of tellings off. Picture the scene. I was in year six. I thought I was pretty cool. You're at the top of the school, right? One day, yeah, we can laugh at that idea. I was cool once. Um, one day, we found out that our teacher was leaving quite suddenly. And our new teacher was my mum. Yeah. It gets worse. So my parents used to regularly tell me that their main job was to embarrass me. And if they weren't embarrassing me, they weren't doing their jobs well enough. And they did their jobs very well. <laughs> so one day, my worst fears were confirmed when my friend was chatting away in the classroom, not doing her work. My mum, being the teacher, told her to get on and do her work. I was annoyed. It happened again, my friend kept chatting, my mum told her to be quiet. I wasn't happy. The third time, I just had enough. So I got up, turned to my mum in front of the whole class, and shouted at her, what do you think you're doing? How dare you tell my friend off like this? And then promptly, in a fit of rage, locked myself in the stationery cupboard. <laughs> now my mum, being a good teacher, decided the best way forward was just to leave me in the cupboard, <laughs> crack on with her class, and deal with me later. From the cupboard, I could hear my friends going, Miss, isn't Annabelle still in the cupboard? <laughs> and my mum replying, I'll deal with her later. The bell goes, the cupboard door opens, my mum takes me out and calmly explains to me that she did need to teach her class, that I couldn't speak to her like that, and that locking yourself in a cupboard is rarely the right response to your frustrations. <laughs> it's a life lesson I've kept with me to this day. None of us like being told off, right? That even if it doesn't happen that often anymore, we all remember the feeling of your face burning up and going red, a lump in your throat as you get frustration or anger or sadness rising up, the tears singing in your eyes. Sometimes you run into a cupboard. None of us like it. None of us want to feel that way. And with the passage that Sarah read for us earlier, it, it feels a little bit like we're being told off, right? If you've come to church for the first time today or you're a fresher here at G2 for the first time, you'd be forgiven for thinking, oh, they just want to tell us, do this and do that and don't do this and don't do that and give us a good telling off so that we go and be good Christians. But that's not what this passage is about, so let's give it a chance and lean in. Because what if what we're learning about isn't how to behave but who we get to know? What if we've got the opportunity to get to know the Holy Spirit, who's God living in us, who's there to help guide us through our everyday and help us through the course of life? 
Is that something we want to do? Do we want to take the opportunity to get to know the Holy Spirit? Well, some of you might say, I don't know. Because I don't actually know who the Holy Spirit is, which is fair enough. Especially if you're new to faith, you've been on this, not been on this journey for that long, or you're here for the first time. The Holy Spirit can be one of those concepts that we don't actually talk about, and we're a bit unsure of who or what he is. This is the best diagram I could find on the internet. I don't know about all of you, but I saw that and I thought, oh yeah, I've got it now. (laughs) Those of us who are Christians believe in one God who reveals himself to us in three identities. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. One God, three identities. Hard to get your head around, right? But he's the God who made all of us and everything we know. So it's okay that he's a little bit bigger than our understanding. Father. He's who most of us think of as God. He's the God who sits on the throne in heaven, but is everywhere at all times. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's like a firm and loving parent. Jesus. He's God in human form. He was born as a baby in a stable, lived a perfect life, died, rose again three days later, all so that we could know God. He's like a partner or a sibling or a really close friend. The Holy Spirit is sometimes also known as the Spirit of God. He rests on and dwells in different individuals throughout the course of humanity. He's there at creation. He's with the leaders of the people of God throughout time. He's there with Jesus, and he lives in all of us who call ourselves Christians now. He's God living in us, with us in our everyday. He's a teacher, a helper, an advocate, a comforter, an encourager, and a counselor who leads us into all truth. He points us back to Jesus, back to relationship with God, and helps us to navigate life. He gets like into your conscience or a sat-nav, is probably closer to like a really great mentor or a trusted, wiser, and very honest friend. The Holy Spirit is one identity our God chooses to reveal to us. He's fully God, God with us now, prompting us and guiding us, helping us through the twist of turns of life and always pointing us back to what's good and right and true. That's who we've got the opportunity to learn from. Great. So we know who Holy Spirit is now. But sounds a bit like he might just be a way God uses to tell us off. Like God's just made this whole identity just to tell us how to live and what to do. Which doesn't sound great. So why do we want to make the most of the opportunity to learn from the Holy Spirit? Well, firstly, it's an opportunity to enter into relationship with God himself we have the next slide. So the passage says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Knowing that he's God, isn't it staggering that we can bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit? That I, just one of 200,000 people in the center of York alone, can make God grieve? 
What is it about my life that impacts him? Why would he care about what I do? And if it's all about following rules and doing what we're told, then surely he'd be angry or even disappointed, but not sad. The way we live can bring the Holy Spirit sorrow because it breaks his heart that we would choose to live in a way that isn't good for us and pulls us away from him. My well-being matters to him. Sorrows just isn't the emotion of a rule-obsessed tyrant, right? This is the sorrow of a friend watching the person that they love doing things that are hurting them and leading them away from the friend. It reminds us that this is all about relationship first and behavior second. Paul says that the Holy Spirit has identified us as his own in the bit just before. (laughs) He says that he's sealed us as his own and guaranteed our salvation. He makes it clear that once we've said yes to Jesus, there's nothing more we can or need to do to be loved and accepted. Is that enough to make us stop and think about how we live our lives? I hope so. But if it's not, don't worry, there's more. Not only do we have the opportunity to know God himself, but what Holy Spirit teaches us turns our lives around for our good. We'll keep reading. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Each time that this passage mentions something that brings sorrow to the Holy Spirit, it gives us something to do instead. We're not left with a void of all of these things to stop doing and nothing to do after that. It's all about not doing this, but then doing this instead. And let's face it, whilst it may not be that easy, kind, being kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, it sounds a lot better than bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words. We'll keep reading. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your heart. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That passage makes me chuckle a bit because it sounds like just not wine, but anything else is fine, right? (laughs) Paul's reminding us not to waste the opportunity we have to come close to God. He's reminding us not to miss out on being filled with the Holy Spirit, which means having him with us at all times and being willing to listen to his guidance. Why? Paul's championing a hope that by being open to the Holy Spirit's teaching, we can be different. No longer fools, but wise. Not thoughtless, but able to understand what God wants. Not drunk, numb to reason and reality, but filled with the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God. 
no longer in darkness, but awake and in the light, able to follow the example of Christ. It's not a list of do's and don'ts, but a rallying cry to what being human in Jesus' new world order can look like. Paul puts it like this again in his letter to the Galatians. He pulls out the fruits of the Spirit and says that we can show love and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and a couple of others I think I missed. That's who we get to become. It sounds like a person I would love to be. And the next one. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. to that one. <laughs> it is meant to be there, I promise. <laughs> Dave's looking at me very concerned right now. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of us have seen these photos of dogs who look like their owners. <laughs> or people that think that they look like their dogs. There's something about being in relationship with someone which makes you become more like them. That's the point. When I first came to York as a student, I lived in a house and studied in a group full of people who were definitely from the north. <laughs> I could tell by their accents. And when I went home, everyone started laughing at me because I'd picked up a full northern twang to my vows. Now, I'm not saying that we we'll all need to start putting on accents and sound like we're from Yorkshire, um, but our hope is that by being open to the Holy Spirit's teaching, we're able to imitate Jesus, the perfect human. Jesus, God who came to earth and gave his life so that we could know him. Jesus who never messed up, never got anything wrong. It's amazing that Paul would suggest we could even come close. And we can't without the Holy Spirit's help. Paul recognizes that this isn't an easy journey. He compares this life filled with love to Jesus' love for us. This same love that caused him to sacrifice his own life for us. We know that leaving behind behaviors and habits that have become a part of who we are is hard. And it can feel like there's no way we can change it which is why it's so important that we have the Holy Spirit's guidance. Okay. We know the Holy Spirit is God, helping us through the twists and turns of life. We know that we get to know God himself and our lives change because of that. So, here's the uncomfortable bit. Because none of us like being told off, Right? Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. 
you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. There isn't time today to look at each thing mentioned in this passage in the detail it deserves. We'll either see it and know, yeah, that's not who I want to be and what I want to do, or we'll have a bunch of questions around it that we just don't have the time to give to now. But if there's things in there that you're a bit confused by, chat with the people that you've come with, or take some time after to go through this passage and pray it through with God and have a look. But we're also not going to just skim past the difficult bits of this passage. Because let's not pretend there wasn't something in there that challenged all of us. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Don't be drunk with wine. It's pretty clear. When we lose our tempers with our families, the Holy Spirit says, stop. When we talk about friends and colleagues behind their backs, the Holy Spirit says, stop. When we make a sexually explicit joke or a joke at another's expense, the Holy Spirit says, stop. When we look at what our friends have or scroll through our Instagram feeds, discontent and wanting more and more, the Holy Spirit says, stop. When we buy and buy and waste and waste while other people don't have enough to live on, the Holy Spirit says, stop. When we drink, take drugs, watch porn, binge Netflix in order to numb ourselves to reality and to him, the Holy Spirit says stop. He says stop because there's more than this. Your lives are worth more than this. Your value is so much more than this. You know me and your lives can look different because of that. Do we want to take that opportunity? Are those things really that bad? Do they really matter? Because all my friends are doing them, so why not me too? God doesn't really care, right? We'll keep reading. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. 
So often we try and ignore the things we do until they cause a crisis. And if we can't ignore it, then the easiest thing to do is to make excuses and say, oh, but this situation's different, and it's okay to do that here, and oh, that was for then, but God's not fussed about it anymore. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Our God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. He cares when one child causes harm to another or to themselves. And it angers him when his children are told that the ways of living that are hurting them and are hurting others are just fine. What kind of father wouldn't care? It angers him because our lives can be so much better. Our lives that were full of darkness should now be filled with light from the Lord. We live as people of light, and this light produces only what is good and right and true. This light leads to friendships built, families restored, contentment with what we have and who we are. No need to numb ourselves because we can give our burdens over to him and our lives feel worth living. No more shame. We're asked to do this as people already forgiven by Jesus. This turning from one thing and to another is framed in the context of the forgiveness we've already received. While we do need to change, we know we're already loved and accepted. Paul sums it up well in his letter to the Romans. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? If you know Jesus, you'll already have a story of transformation, whether it's one standout moment or lots of little moments throughout your life. And all this passage is saying is that through the Holy Spirit, he wants to keep doing that. And if you don't know Jesus yet, then ask the people around you about their story or come and chat to me at the end. But if we see Jesus' death and the opportunity to know the Holy Spirit and then just crack on with our lives in the same way, we're missing the bigger picture. We're saved from the life we have been living and we're redeemed for a life with God, with his Spirit. If after all of that, nothing else changes, then what is the point? In this passage, Paul's calling us to something more to a hope that's grounded in our salvation, but that reaches beyond one moment and into every part of our lives. To the hope that because his spirit lives in us and we can learn from him, our lives will look different. We're called to do this together and with the help of the Holy Spirit. Without his help, it's hopeless, but if we choose to learn from him, it will be one of the best decisions we ever make. So many parts of our life just aren't included in this passage, which is why it's not about the list of do's and don'ts, because as soon as something crops up that's not on that list, what do we do? It's about how we change and grow as we know God more and more and become more like him. 
It's about making the most of the opportunity we have individually and as a community to get to know the Holy Spirit, to trust him and to learn from him. Do you want a life like this? Then keep listening.